Anyways, welcome everyone to uh, Platonically Intimate. I'd like to thank Isaac for his brief melodic adventure. <laughs> so we are your hosts. I am Joe. Sitting across from me in the studio is Isaac. Hey, hey. Let's just get right into things. What do you want to talk about? Today, I'm going to talk about something that you may have heard of before, and that is called Leap Years. Have you heard of that? I think I have, you know. Oh, very, very cool. Very cool. <laughs> I have the, the fortune of not being born in one. Ah, lucky not, day. Yeah. Or year, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before we get into that, I'm going to talk about uh, the history of the calendar, actually, because it, it ties really closely into why right. we have leap years. So, um, to get to today, I'm going to start at a point because you could start like anywhere you when you start, talk about yeah, calendars. at the beginning of history. Yeah. And so we're going to start in the BC times. Okay. Uh, with Julius Caesar, my dear friend. Uh, uh, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was my friend until, you know, you know, but Caesar salads. Yeah. <laughs> So in in the year 46 BC and going into the year 45 BC, he implemented the Julian calendar, obviously named after himself as he would. Yeah, why not? Yep. Uh, One of the reasons that people didn't like him. But uh, (laughs) and uh, the the Julian calendar was good because it switched from a lunar calendar to a solar calendar, which Mm. is more effective in tracking the seasons. Yeah. And so... Um, the lunar calendar, obviously following the moon and the solar calendar following the sun, which is what seasons and the year are actually based around. Right. Um, but when, when he created this, he knew that the, the cycle of the earth rotating and the earth orbiting the sun didn't Mm. quite line up. Right. So he actually added in the first thing that will later be known as a leap year. And so, um, every four years they had an extra day in February sounds sounds pretty familiar to sounds me. pretty familiar yeah now they actually uh they did it in a little bit of an odd way okay instead of adding february 29th they did have a 28 day february back okay. then they didn't um write dates the same way as us and so because of that they actually didn't add in february 29th okay what they did was they added in something i'm going to use the english translation but it was right. called the sixth day before calends of March. Okay. And Interesting. So, so okay. calends, it means the first. So it's okay. six days before the first of March. And that's actually where we get the word calendar from. Oh. Is that same word? That makes sense. Um, the, the thing is with calends, it's, it's inclusive of the first day of March. So okay. six days before, March 1st is day one. And yeah. then the last day of February is day two. Then right. the second to They're last day. Yeah. And it's so it's really weird. And so they they did this like in reverse. And that that's like where the Ides of March. Oh. Rip Julius. Or yeah. the Ides of any month. It's like the middle. It's where they start counting the other direction. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, they split it in the middle. I, I think so. Okay. Email us at platonicallyintimate at gmail.com you know if yeah. I'm wrong. But I think that's what it is. Hey guys, it's Isaac. I'm definitely not editing this right now because we don't do that. But I wanted to make a quick note for all of you who were about to send in some angry fan mail. The Romans did not start counting down at the Ides of March because they always counted down. So starting on the calends of February, they would count down to something called the Nones of February, then count down 
to the Ides of February, and then, as we were just talking about, countdown from the Ides of February to the Calends of March. Uh, if you want to see something to help you visualize this a little bit more, you can head over to the Wikipedia page for Roman calendar and go to the section marked Months. There's a nice chart for you to look at, and there's also some other sources to let you know that Wikipedia is not making stuff up. All right, with that taken care of, let's get back to the show. So anyways, the six days before the calends of March roughly lands on February 24th. Right. The problem is when they have leap years, it lands on February 25th. Oh. But they they didn't count that way. So it just like didn't matter. Yeah. And because of that, they literally ignored it. There were two days known as what we would call February 24th. Okay. So you would wake up. It'd be February 24th, Tuesday. You do your stuff. They didn't use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday like us, but I'm making this up. So you wake up. It's Tuesday, February 24th, yep. or uh, sixth Six day days. before calendar of March. Mm-hmm. They, they called it, ah, they had a word for it. It is bisextile. Okay. It is bisextile calendar of March is what they would say. Wow. And they'd have two of those. Kind of. So they, on, on leap years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they would wake up. It would be it would be that day. They would do all their business. They would write on all their documents that it's February twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah. By sextile calends March. Yeah. Then they would go to bed, and then they would wake up, and they would pretend yesterday it didn't happen, and they would do it again. So in all of their records and everything, on days that there were leap years, everyone would just have twice as much documentation for that day. Oh my god! It's kind of like uh, switching in and out of daylight savings time. But yeah. Except instead of an hour, it's 24. It just yeah. happens twice. Yeah. It, Jeez. From the time zone that we're in, it's switches to 2 a.m. And then it's just 1 a.m. And 1 a.m. happens again. That's yeah. basically how it how it worked. Yeah. And so uh, they basically ignored the 2nd, February 24th. Now, this caused a very serious problem uh, because they had a feast called the Feast of St. Matthew. Okay. Uh, excuse me. St. Matthias. And... Yeah. um. St. Matthias had his feast celebrated on bisextile calends oh. of March. So let me tell you, when it came to a leap year, people were like, ah. Uh, did they celebrate it twice? What, is it both times? Is it the, the first? second time? The yeah, because the second time oh, is the, like real the real bisextile calends yeah. of March because that's, that's the time it's that it's actually, actually six days six away. Days. Hmm. And so it, it caused a lot of problems, okay? And we will, we will come back to that feast later. Um, but there was a small problem besides that um, in the Julian leap year. And by the time it got to the year 1582, it was becoming pretty obvious. Um, they were about 10 days off of the solar calendar Oof. by then um, because it's not actually perfectly one day every four years yeah. that we get off. And so uh, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth, as the Catholic Pope, kind of kind of like king of the world in those At days. At that time, yeah. Yep. Um, Basically, it was like, we need to get that fixed. So he implemented the Gregorian calendar, Classic. which is what we have now. Yeah. And it was directly uh, influenced by that Julian calendar. And so to to get it fixed, they skipped in 1582, October 5th through October 14th. They went to bed on October 4th and they woke up on October, October 15th. Four- wow. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard of that before, but it's still just... Is crazy to me every time I hear about it because it's just yep. like, um, we messed up a long time ago and we need to fix it. So we're just going to skip 
a third of a month. Yep. Basically, uh, bef- before Hope they implemented the then. Julian calendar, that happened like all the time because they would constantly they would get have to off. constantly have to re- constantly have to reset. Yep. And they would just be like, "Oh, this month has thirty five days, but only this year." And yep. then they would just like, "Okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay, sounds good." Again, it was all just for record keeping. They didn't really right. I was gonna say if you're a farmer in a field, it wouldn't really matter that much. You're yeah. not gonna be like, "Oh, on October." 18th i need to harvest my crops yeah you say uh my crops are ready time to harvest yeah i don't care what day it is yep so pope gregory uh, implemented this gregorian calendar and here are the new leap year rules it starts off pretty simple every four years you have a leap year that leap day is inserted on february 29th so he cleared up Mm. that issue yep kind of we'll talk about that later (laughs) Uh so every february 29th Except every 100 years, there is no leap year. So in the year 1900, uh, there's no leap year. Except every 400 years, there is a leap year. Except every 4,000 years, there is not a leap year. So this actually, is starting to sound like the English language. <laughs> yeah. Every 4,000 years uh, is actually, it's not necessarily agreed upon it it would make it more accurate but that's not in the original it's thing. not an official rule. and we haven't gotten to year 4000 uh for those of you connoisseurs of uh living in a day-to-day life unlike us um you may notice that if you listen to this when it comes out that's still like nearly 2000 years away yeah so it's it's not really an issue that has come up uh but people have like done the math and figured it out and said hey if we add this uh additional except Yes. We will become more accurate. So that one, um, depending on who you ask, is, is may right. or and may who, not be. Who knows uh, if we're even using the Gregorian calendar in 2,000 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're like, this will make it more accurate, but we don't have to worry about it for a few thousand years. Yep. <laughs> All right. So now that we talked about those rules, I'm going to bring it back to the feast of our dear friend, St. Matthias. St. Matthias. So in in trying to fix all of this issue garbage yeah Yeah, this this problem with the feast of saint matthias in 1970 the catholic church was like all right this is this is the deal you can celebrate the feast of saint matthias on february 24th Mm. or on february 25th okay or you can just like get rid of that date and now we can celebrate on may 14th and just like ignore that that problem ever existed okay or if you're in the Eastern Church instead of the Western Church, you can do it on August 9th instead of May 14th if you choose that option. <laughs> so St. Matthias Church. has not been fixed. His feast still is really annoying and wow. confusing. Yeah. Um, but if you celebrate that, congratulations. I'm glad that you are willing to, to stick it to the calendar and uh, just do what you want. Right. Uh, and email us. Tell us what you do. Yeah, tell us what you do. Tell us when you celebrate the feast day of St. Matthias. Yeah. So I have a little quiz to put together for you. Ooh, okay. uh, To see if you were paying attention on those rules. Okay. I think you should do pretty well. Okay. But, um, so I will give you a year (laughs) and you have to tell me if it's a leap year or if it's not. Okay. 2007. No. Correct. It is not a leap year. 1984. Yes, it's a leap year. It is, it is. Okay. Also, another hint, and this this will kind of make it easier to figure out so you don't have to count as much. Yeah. Um, 
when I say every four years, it means if that year is divisible by four. Okay. And then when That's I say except I every 100, it's unless that year is divisible yeah. by 100. Right. It, it mostly means the same thing, but the, the way I just said is, I guess, a little right. more clear. Yeah, it's not like they started it on like an odd yeah. year. Yep. All right. Our next one, 2100. Ooh, this is a tricky one. I'm going to say no. Correct. It is not a leap year because it's divisible by 100. Yep. All right. How about 2000? Also no. Incorrect. 2000 is a leap year. It's It's divisible by 400. Yes. It's it's except, except. So here's the thing. A lot of adults um, don't know about these extra two rules about 100 and 400. Yeah. Because the only century they've crossed was 2000 when there was a leap year. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, there, norm, quote unquote, normally there should have been, except there was another exception. Exactly. Getting rid of the first exception. So a lot of people don't know about the 100 and 400 rules because right. of that. Um, if if we were recording this in the year 2121 instead of 2021, I would guess that most More adults people would know, know of yeah, those rules. Because they're like, I remember in 2100 that we didn't have a year. Yep. Yeah. All right. And the last one, the year 4000. Not a leap year. Maybe. Oh, Again, that, rule, that rule's that's up the in the air. Yeah, yeah, it's not in the OG rules, but we yeah. would be more accurate Correct. if we... Yeah. So I will give you a 3.5 out of 5. On oh, that that's quiz. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's what, 70%? 70%? That's, hey, D's get degrees. Yeah. Depending on the class. <laughs> so in conclusion of this segment, uh, time is made up. True. It we all of this is to help us process something that doesn't really matter a whole lot. Yeah. And so Yeah. Time doesn't really matter. Harvest your crops when they're ready yep. to be. Alright. So uh we are going to transition into one of my favorite segments on this podcast. Fun facts with Joe. The distance from Fargo, North Dakota to the northern border of Texas is roughly the same as the length and width of Texas. I think you already knew that fun fact. I think I did. Yeah. Something, it was kind of a double one because I didn't realize Texas was about square. Yeah. The the width of it is kind of the same as the height or you called it the length. Right. But yeah. Cool. All right. So let's get into the nitty gritty. Today we're going to talk about a word called overmorrow. So, in Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, 10th edition, 1995 printing, on page 830, uh, there's no overmorrow. (laughs) That's where it would be if this word was in this dictionary. So, apparently, uh, Merriam-Webster has some kind of vendetta against the word overmorrow. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to actually read um, from dictionary.com instead of Merriam-Webster, our normal secondary source. Overmorrow had a brief history, first recorded in the first half of the 16th century and lasting into the second half of that same century. So only about 50 years was this actually a common word. And so because of that, it is not in the 1995 edition. Right. They were a little late. Yeah. It should have been like the 1695 and it probably would have said like archaic. Yeah. (laughs) 1595. 
Yes, yes, sorry. 16th century is the 1500s. Right. Um, Again, time's made up. I don't Yeah, care. who cares? <laughs> the point is, is that it wasn't used for very long. No, it was not. Um, but before we get any further, I would like to inform our fans uh, of what this word actually meant. Good idea. Back when they were using it. So, overmorrow means the day after tomorrow. Coming from morrow, like tomorrow, tomorrow. or on the morrow. Yes. Um, and over meaning past. So, uh, yeah, that's what overmorrow actually means. And I think that that's a fantastic word. It is. It's surprisingly useful. Um, yeah. The first time that like you and I used it to start discussing like plans that we had. I was surprised at its usefulness. I thought it was just, I mean, I think first we did it a few times just because it was funny. Yeah. Cause we were like, definitely how we're living in the 1500s back here. <laughs> the second half of the 1500s yep. specifically. Um, but it's pretty useful. It is actually, especially yeah. during certain times of the day. If you say tomorrow, they mean like, what exactly do you mean by that? Do you mean overmorrow would be a great way to clarify what day you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If yeah. You, if you really mean like tomorrow, tomorrow, because you're already like thinking right. about the next you're day. Like, All right. It's already Pat. You're thinking as if it was past midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then overmorrow would help clear that up. Cause you mean, Oh, you really mean like two days from now. Yeah. So, um, also it's just like, it's, it's just handy. It's again in contractions, it's much shorter than saying the day after tomorrow, you can just say over tomorrow. Yeah. And so, um, the, the problem with this word, if, if there was one, um, which we are hoping to correct with this podcast is that people don't know what it means. So if you're trying to save time and And you say over tomorrow and they think that's a funny way of saying tomorrow yeah, or they're like can you stop and explain that you're no longer saving time or clarity yep you just made it more confusing and take longer so uh hopefully faithful listeners you will spread this information to the ends of the earth and uh we can start using overmorrow again it ain't wrong it ain't wrong also i learned that in german they actually still use this word oh really um it it looks very similar to ours and i don't remember how it's spelled so i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation okay uh i i actually took a class in college about how to pronounce german uh but i can't remember how it's spelled so it's not gonna help me right now but it's something to the effect of ibermoro and it sounds basically the same again english actually sounds very similar to german so yeah yeah that's uh that's over for you Shout out to other words for time length that people don't use very often anymore, like uh, Fortnite. Oh, yeah. What a good game. It's like, uh, uh, what a good word to use to describe yeah. two weeks. <laughs> yes, I agree. So, yeah, use that word, too. If you say uh, a fortnight ago, it means two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Or last fortnight is more the way you would say it. But Yeah. All right, Isaac. Do you have any fun facts for us today? I do. Uh, so your fun fact was kind of related to maps yes, and the Earth. It was. And your your main topic, I also happen to know, is also along the same lines. So Ooh. I figured that my fun fact would also uh, tie into the, the secondary theme of the episode. Nice. And so here's my fun fact. If all the people in the world lined up around the equator, most of them would drown. <laughs> All right, speaking of the equator, <laughs> I do actually want to talk about maps today. We 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 do we stuck really heavily to two themes, and yeah. that was time and maps. Yeah, actually. Two things that are like completely just human concepts. Yeah. Basically, like maps don't need to exist. No. 
Um, so most of you probably own a map somewhere. If not a physical one, like on a wall or something, you probably have one on your phone. Mm-hmm. A, the map projection that is probably being used on most physical maps is what is known as the Mercator projection, which I know you are roughly familiar with, Isaac. I am familiar with the we've Mercator had, projection. We have discussed this a few times in the past. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's a mathematical problem that exists with maps. Um, uh, if you don't think the Earth is round, that's unfortunate. You might want to turn off your headphones <laughs> for my section. Um, but I'm going to assume that Earth is roughly a sphere. Yeah. The thing about spheres is they are, they f- cannot be folded into a flat surface. Correct. It is yeah. physically impossible. It doesn't matter how many cuts. It doesn't matter how many deformities there are. Try to take like a tennis ball or something similar and like cut it and try to lay it flat and it will never lay perfectly flat no matter how small the pieces are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big problem when you're trying to make a map when you're trying to uh, express the Earth on a flat piece of paper. Yes, exactly. Ideally, just always use a globe. Problem yeah. with globes, they're a lot harder to roll up. Yeah. And store somewhere. And your uh, your geography teacher can't pull down a globe from the ceiling. Exactly. It's like a microphone in WWE. Like, yeah. Let's get <laughs> Here's Africa. Um, <laughs> so the Mercator projection has long been used for many many types of rectangular maps uh and it has also long been criticized (laughs) by pretty much everyone but it shouldn't be (laughs) yep i there are quite a number of journalists who have no experience in map making that have made uh articles about how much the mercator projection should not be used yep so everyone from people with a base level knowledge to like experts are like, we should not be using this projection. The problem with it is they take the poles, the North and the South pole, and they just stretch them yeah. to into a rectangle so that, you know, if it's nice in a frame, yep. that means Greenland looks huge. It's massive. Is the most common way to picture how poorly this map represents size mm-hmm. is Greenland is not about the size of Africa. It is nowhere near the size of Africa. Um, not to mention the whole fact that, like, if you want to use this map in the Arctic or Antarctic regions, it's basically useless. Yep. It's like, I can see the shape of the coastline, but even that is distorted. Yep. So I just wanted to mention a couple other of better options for map projections if you're interested in putting a map up on your wall. Uh, a big problem with the Mercator projection is size, as I just pointed out. Yep. One that is a most common example of what is called an equal area projection is a sinusoidal map. Okay. And it looks really funny to anyone who's never seen other map projections. (laughs) Yeah. It looks, think of like an onion um, and sort of elongate it a little bit top and bottom. So it has like a sharp point on the top and bottom and curved edges. This makes like Canada look like someone squeezed it really hard. Mm. And the thing about this projection is that, so like, for example, Canada, it has 
the correct amount of area compared to anywhere else on the map. Okay. Um, because it takes the North Pole and the South Pole and makes them into points. Mm, yeah. Okay. So they have zero area, like they should. Yep. On a globe, because it, it is a point, not it is a point, space. not a not a large line, yep. not a space. It's a point. Um, so that's a great example for if you're trying to compare the area of things. The problem is, like I just pointed out, it distorts the image heavily. Mm. It looks like you're looking in a funhouse mirror. <laughs> is the way I describe it. If you're near the equator, um, it might look a lot better. The yeah. other thing about sinusoidal projections is you can kind of cut them up. And they'll look like a bunch of like slivers, almost like, so if you go back to the onion example, it looks like you're cutting the onion into like, oh, okay. Cloves. Is that what you call them? Um, well, no, not really. That's more like garlic. (laughs) That's a garlic thing. Yeah. But think of garlic or actually think of like an orange instead of an onion. And then each slice would kind of be like that. Exactly. So, uh, like I said, there's a lot of like shape distortion with those map projections. Um, one of the best projections, if you want to minimize that is Mm -hmm. just called perspective projection, which is basically like taking the, a picture of a globe. Oh, okay. So it's a circle. The problem with that is there still is a lot of distortion around the entire edge of that circle, but what you're looking at. So for example, if you wanted to look at Alaska Mm -hmm. and then you took a globe and made Alaska in the middle of that globe and took a picture, that'd be essentially the perspective projection projection okay and it would be really accurate of alaska but everything else might not be as and that's how most maps of smaller areas as opposed to the whole globe are made yeah like you see a map of a town which again that's a really small area so it's almost not like like it's not an issue when you're when you're that small of an area you are what is called locally flat okay is what we call it in physics when we're talking about other things but it's the same concept Mm -hmm. um and last but not least, I want to talk about... So, Mercator projections preserve the shape of things pretty well. Like, Greenland, even though it's really wonky size, it's yeah. still roughly, you know, it looks like It Greenland. looks like Greenland, yep. Um, one of the best map projections, in my opinion, and in National Geographic's opinion Ooh, also, because okay. I believe they still use this one. If they don't, they use a very similar one. Okay. It is the Robinson projection. Okay. And the way that one looks is it is still flat on the top and bottom. So mm-hmm. north and south pole, rip to you. I'm sorry. Yep. The edges of it, so the left and right sides, are curved. Oh, yeah. Okay. Almost like half circles on yep. either side. And that makes it so that uh, obviously it's still messed up near the poles, mm-hmm. but that distortion is lessened much quicker Yeah. the further away you get from the poles. So like... The Arctic and Antarctic Circle might be really messed up, but for example, Greenland is roughly the right size now and is still roughly the right shape. Okay. So I would recommend getting a Robinson map because I think they're pretty dope. Unless you want to get a map of the Arctic or Antarctic. (laughs) Then don't. Then there are plenty of other options. But like I said, that is actually a lot of atlases and a lot of other professional map users use Mm -hmm. the robinson projection okay and i believe national geographic changed to that one or another similar what's called a compromise projection because that one does not preserve the shape like the mercator does it has things curved inwards a little bit and it also doesn't preserve the size perfectly so Mm. 
Uh, those are some of my favorite ones of the compromise. Um, there are a huge amount of projections out there. Yeah, you no should Google it. A, yeah, you should honestly look up list of map projections and look at the shapes. Some of them some are of them like are, triangles. Yep, some of them are so weird looking. They're so wacky. But uh, I, yeah, I think that I've seen the Robinson projection mm-hmm. and uh, I've actually compared it to a Mercator and you can see that the the land masses are a little bit different shape, but I think it is, um, I think it's worth it because the size yeah. is, is much more comparable and accurate. So uh, if you, if you have not seen that projection, I would encourage you to look it up Check specifically it and uh, meet the Robinson. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> that's also a good movie. You should watch it. So yeah, that's all I have to talk about maps. And I think that's all I'm going to talk about today for my subject. Okay. Um, email us with your uh, favorite type of map projection. Yeah. Hashtag, I love this map. Yeah. Hashtag us in the email. <laughs> also, follow us on Instagram at platonically intimate. Oh, no. Now I have to make that. Now you have to make that too. <laughs> all right. So. Well, anyways, I hope you enjoyed learning about um, calendars. Um, uh, over Morrow and the fact that every map you've seen is not very accurate. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you in our last episode of season one next season week. Season finale. The season finale. It's I hope be you. Intense. It will be intense. We are going to quiz each other on our respective content areas and uh, see who is better at something that they haven't studied. <laughs> see who's the better quiz maker. Sure. Yeah, actually. So uh, uh, we will see you in a special season finale episode eight. See ya.